Damon, hello. Hello, Jeremy. How are you? I am well. What day and time is it where you are? Hmm. The day is Thursday. Time is 4.15 p.m. I have a very similar answer. I also am in Thursday. I'm not in Australia where it's probably a different day. I just a couple time zones over. It's a little early in the afternoon for me. It's 2.15 and I have noticed in myself and in conversation with other people that days and times have gotten pretty funny since the pandemic. Have you had that experience or overheard from others having that experience? It's a running joke in my family when I ask my eight-year-old daughter what day it is. She's just like a deer in headlights. No idea. And... The idea of, oh, it's time to go on vacation, or it's time, this is work time, or this is the weekend, or this is when this holiday happens, or this is when we get together for this birthday. These seasons, even though we have them outside, you know, in the weather and in nature, they're they're pretty off in our at least human scale, it seems to me. Would you agree? Absolutely. At the same time, I still have that punishing human feeling of being behind on my days. I have my to-dos and I often haven't done them or, and that may be because it's the beginning of the day, but I feel that pressure or it's the end of the day. And it's like, gosh, I just didn't get this done enough or I'm not far enough along in this project, which is multi-days or I don't know what I should be doing. My kind of joke in the Morden sense is I'm doing the wrong thing. I'm doing it wrong and I'm way behind. (laughs) (laughs) And I even wrote that down so I could kind of laugh at it and just say, oh, is this happening to me? Am I having this thought? I'm doing the wrong thing. I'm doing it wrong and I'm way behind. (laughs) I love that. I mean, I don't love that you feel that way, but it is. You get me. I get you. I get you. So I wanted to share a practice that I've been doing to get a different perspective. And I wanted to kind of lead you through it, but in a sense, you're going to be taking me because I'm going to be asking kind of questions. And it's something you can do with your eyes open or closed. You can do it with a piece of paper. You can do it alone or in a group. But for me, it's been eye-opening, even though I actually, I usually do it with my eyes closed. (laughs) (laughs) So in episode three of the show, I kind of shared a space visualization that I do, where I start by just picturing myself in the moment, where I am, my own face. And then I zoom out. And in that same moment, just the room I'm in, everything in the room. So I'm still there, but it's not a close-up on my face. And then I zoom out to my house and sort of a cutaway doll's view and all the other people in it. There's not that many, but it's usually my wife and my daughter. And now we've got a couple of kittens. And then I zoom out to my neighborhood and then my city and then my state and then our country and then the continent 
and then the world, and then the planet from space, our solar system, galaxy, universe. And what's crazy is that's not fantasy. It's not a visualization in the sense of making it up, as we've talked about in that episode. Those really all are there and existing at the moment, any particular moment, right? You remember this? I do. And we talked about, you know, in that episode and past episodes, there's cool animations and videos that show this, like Powers of Ten or the more recent one, uh, Cosmic Eye, that's centered at the Google campus. Mm -hmm. So this time activity is analogous, but it's not in space. It's in time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we started where where you are right now. And I guess I just want to ask, where will you be one day from now at this time? I will be in a different physical location. Hmm. So where are you now and where will you be then? Right now, I'm at my mom's house. And tomorrow, I will be back at our house. Where were you yesterday? I was at my mom's house. So same spot. What were you doing? We weren't talking, so it was different. I was downstairs in my makeshift office. I was walking through the neighborhood. I was in the kitchen preparing food. I was out on the patio. And tomorrow at the lake, where will you be? Or what will you be, I should say, at 4.15? Hopefully I'll be swimming or in my kayak. Nice. Friday. Friday. Is uh, it's a Friday tomorrow? Friday. Yeah. <laughs> As my daughter's teacher taught her to say it. <laughs> now I'm going to put a little pressure on the situation. Where were you, I'll say, a year ago at this time? A year ago at this time, I was returning from Europe. I was in Madrid, Spain. Hmm. Wow. What were you doing? I was visiting some friends, and it was our final leg of a trip around the world. And our meaning you, your wife, and your daughter? Yes. So you guys were with friends in Madrid, Spain, one year ago? Yes. Okay, another challenge. Where will you be a year from now? (laughs) Or where will where you are now be a year from now? You can either place it yourself or you can just take the space you're in a year from now. You think the house will be the same? Are there any repairs your mom's thinking of? Is your mom thinking about changing locations? Are there any neighbors coming or going? Or do you think... Uh, A year from now, this space will be pretty similar. A year from now, I will not be in the same space. I will neither be in the lake house, nor will I be in my mom's house. We currently are looking at collectively finding our own house that would be for my mom a second home and then for us our main residence 
Nice. And we'll see where the pandemic is. We'll see who the president <laughs> is. We'll see whether it's opening day for baseball <laughs> or the middle of the season. Who knows? But those are some things that feel pretty stable. They came pretty easily to you as answer. Fairly so, stable. Fairly stable. I, I, I'm not sure if you noticed that there was a slight pause before answering because I have, full disclosure, been actively scanning the country for a place to call home. Wow. I did not know that. I remember conversations about that a bit ago, but I thought you'd sort of settled, but you can settle and then resettle. Mm -hmm. We're not settled till we're scattered to the wind. <laughs> mm -hmm. So 10 years ago, hmm. where were you? What was your situation 10 years ago, 2010, this time, midsummer? Whew. 10 years ago, I was engaged. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Let me be the last to congratulate you on your engagement. <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah. I was in San Francisco, California, planning for whether we were going to do a shotgun quick wedding or wait uh, an extra year. I have so much advice. <laughs> you know, I've been married a lot longer than you were 10 right. years ago. I like this. 10 years from now, it is midsummer 2030. Tell me some things you know. I know my daughter will have just graduated from high school. Wow. Congratulations are in order all around, it seems. <laughs> it went so fast. <laughs> that's. That's probably the extent of it. How old's mom? Your mom. 10, Ten years from now, she'll be 84. How old's Damon? 10 years from now, he'll be 61. And he'll be an empty nester suddenly, possibly. Yes. yes. 100 years ago. That is 1920. What are you up to? <laughs> <laughs> what I was laying low. And your mom was laying low. That's why I asked how old she was. Of course, I didn't want to be indiscreet and ask how old she is now, but she's, yeah. she's not around 100 years ago, it sounds like, either. Nope. I think my grandmother, my mother's mother, was born in 1919. So I know, for example, 100 years ago, my grandmother was one. <laughs> hmm. Was a one-year-old. And it's been a while since my daughter was one-year-old, but we have neighbors. They have a one-year-old next door. So I can kind of see my grandmother a hundred years ago that way. And women had just gotten the right to vote. For example, we as a country, I think we're just getting over, and a world, we're just getting over a global flu epidemic. Mm. Interesting. We're about to enter the Roaring Twenties, sneak preview. We just yeah. entered World War II. Uh, World War I uh, is over. The Great War is over. Maybe we'll never have another World War. The Yankees are going to get really good. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, you know, so is F. Scott Fitzgerald and William Faulkner. So what do you got, though? That, that was a pretty me and American-centric view of 100 years ago. 
where do you see things a hundred years ago in the world? Or again, just right out the, the door, you know, my neighborhood where I'm talking to you right now was a meadow. It was Mrs. Greeno's meadow. She was a rich woman who lived in a mansion by a creek a couple blocks away. And this was part of her vast meadow. That much I know. Hmm. Well, I might be wrong on specifically a hundred years ago, but part of my family was in Detroit and I know for sure that they were buying their milk and their vegetables from like the man who had his horse and crate and cart coming down the street. I know that part of my family was in uh, Rockaway Beach, New York. I think my grandfather was just born and my great, great, my great grandparents Part of that family emigrated from Ireland and part from Italy were all kind of in and around the New York area probably at the time. Yeah, you made me think about my father's father, who I know was also, I think, alive at that time, was also a very young man and was in Poland, had not yet immigrated to the United States. So a hundred years from now. <laughs> 2120. You're not around. I'm not around. Your mom's not around. Your daughter uh, is Ooch. not around. Pretty darn sure. My daughter's a little older than your daughter, so it's it's not personal when I say this. <laughs> but what do you think is out the window of the space where you are? I actually don't have much sense of where your mom lives. I don't know if it's a city or a suburb or a rural area or, or right what? outside you... of a, right outside of a college town. So what do you think it, it looks like Detroit had a horse a hundred years ago, <laughs> right? So what's out the window, you know, a hundred years from now. Wow self-driving cars, vertical gardens, technology that is either embedded within us or drastically more streamlined than it is now. So we're going a little more utopian than dystopian. It's not our robotic overlords or through our fog-choked air as we're plugged into the matrix. Yeah, that might say something about me. Maybe I am. I'll take it. I'm, 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 I'm yeah. happy to go there with you. Yeah. And what about what about the lake? Is it pretty different in that hundred year scale, or is it pretty similar? You know, it's interesting about the lake. I have been meditating on when Native Americans lived in and around the lake, and. Mm then have sort of projected forward and have uh, you know to today's modern day construction around the lake and it's it's not that different i i would say that there's a chance that the lake is maybe a a resource more for 
food and there's probably a lot of solar and wind and other channels in that front. They're probably growing some sort of seaweed or kelp or algae of some sort in the lake, but that it's not necessarily overly developed with more construction. So it's been developed, but I liked your insight about Native Americans being there before it was this sort of vacation idol, which suggests that maybe it was developed before and was actually used intensively. Mm. And maybe it will be again. What about a thousand years ago? Hmm. That's 1020. What's what's going on in your neck of the woods? Huh. Wow. Uh, thriving animal populations, old growth forests. Huh. Maybe more, it might be more predatory than it is now. Wolves. Wolves. Grizzly bears. Bears. Quite possibly. What about folks? Wow. Maybe perhaps some tribal uh, groupings? Probably. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just for sort of comparison, for example, the Magna Carta is 1215. So this is, you know, 200 years before the Magna Carta. (laughs) Right, right. A thousand years from now. (laughs) We're in 3020. Wow. Is there a United States of America? No. I don't believe so. Are there people? Human beings. <laughs> Have the algae in the lake super farm taken over? Yeah, it's a good it's a good question. This is this is maybe where my optimism runs into a little wall. Hmm. It was going uh, so well hundred years from now. It seemed better than now. <laughs> it it does. It does. But uh, I, I hear you. Cycles. Cycles. You know, there's probably some people somewhere on this planet Earth in a thousand years. Boy, you could drop a bot- a lot of bombs and you could do a lot of damage and things could be pretty terrible while still having a species that exists. Uh, but gosh, we're we're trying hard, aren't we? We really to, are to to wipe it out. Well, ten thousand years ago. Huh. So we're at what about minus. 8,000 in our normal scale. We're at 8,000 BC. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know if we've got like any organized religions. I think we have agriculture. I don't know if we have city-states, though. I don't think so. I'll give you some starts, but we sure do have people. We sure have the species. So what's what's going on? Yeah. 10,000 years ago. Wow. Yeah, like Tribes, clans, nomadic, you know, y- you say al- agriculture, but I also think that there's probably quite a bit of hunter-gatherer going on, the hierarchy around some relationship with maybe the wolves that have a symbiotic relationship with some of the Clans or tribes, fire is 
king. And yet, strangely, I think socially, a lot of the same influencers may be in in place. 10,000 years in the future. Hmm. It's not the end of the world. Nowhere near. I think uh, the sun doesn't go out for another three, four billion years, just to give you a sense. <laughs> right. Wow. You're not getting there in 10,000. Right. We already kind of questioned people. It's funny when I go there, when I go to 12,020. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually have a picture that's pretty similar to what you were saying of the 10,000 years ago. That's kind of where my mind goes. I'm just kind of like, oh, I I don't see all the infrastructure. It kind of fades away in that 10,000 year scale. I don't know why or how or what what we did. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm kind of back to to fire and some plants and some hunting and gathering of some species. I don't know Hmm. personally, but you may be in a totally different direction. It's funny to think that a a hundred years from now is going to be more high tech than 10,000 years from now, but that's just kind of where my instinct goes. But what do you say? Yeah, my instinct goes there as well. Maybe I'm being influenced slightly by this pandemic where we are no longer flying so much. We're not going out to eat. Um, More mindful of I've started a garden. The basic necessities of life are in the forefront of my mind right now and the shiny object of technology even though we're doing this on technology right now feels less attractive and less less of the answer so yeah i i would i would similarly say 10,000 years from now we have reduced back down and when i don't mean back down in terms of you know primitive necessarily but i mean we have footprint yeah we're like we're like punk rock 10,000 years from now <laughs> where it's like you know anti technology and anti ai although just... I, although you could go there that there may be ai an, an ai presence as well. And I guess the question is, where is there? You know, maybe the technology is so high that we're shooting through, you know, such as there are humans that is a species that is in space and that this particular place is not as significant as a presence for them. And or if we've been reduced to AI, then it's all on a <laughs> server somewhere, <laughs> mm. a solar powered server for 3 billion more years. And <laughs> that also doesn't require a lot of kayaks uh, <laughs> and horse drawn carts or anything else, maybe. Or PayPal. A uh, uh, million years ago. Whew. Now, I'll just, again, say if this is useful, let me check. Give me a sec. Pull it up. My simplified geologic time scale. Mm -hmm. I think we even have humans three million years ago. 
uh, a million years ago is is not even a different geologic zone. <laughs> wow! So we're post uh, post dinosaur a million years ago. The dinosaur extinction was about sixty five million years ago. <laughs> sixty five million years ago oh. was the dinosaurs. Giant birds, first flowering plants are 140 million. Uh, and again, Earth is about four and a half billion. Wow. So a million years ago, yeah, you got a lot of species that are pretty similar to the species we have now, except for the ones that have kind of gone extinct, which is a very passive voice way to put it in the mm-hmm. last few decades. And yeah, I don't think we're messing with agriculture, though. I think it's hunting and gathering, and I think humans are on a more level playing field, I think, with other animals. Mm. You know, it's not just hunting and gathering. It's being hunted and gathered, or mm-hmm. I think not necessarily being hunted and gathered, but just being subject to the vicissitudes of nature and disease and isolation and predation. Just life is... I'm not even saying it's harder. It's just a different kind of nature of a beast. What What's at threat? The sort of external outward dominance that we have as a species now is is not necessarily the case at all, I would say. And there's a lot more awe and openness and maybe presence <laughs> as a yeah. result too. Do you think anyone, humans a million years ago, laid on whatever, in whatever cave or or surface and their minds were racing yeah i mean i'm sure they were chased and i'm sure they experienced awe and i'm sure they experienced death and you know fear i think all the primal fears that we talk about so often in this show about no this isn't really happening you got to connect with your body and your mind to say this isn't really happening well then it was really happening and that's how it got kind of built into us evolutionarily because it was real. It was happening. But also, there was, you know, mysteries that maybe we've answered in part, but eternal mysteries. Again, this is pretty much the same technology. By that, I mean species-wise. I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's not all the learnings and add-ons of culture, but I think it's the same pieces and parts, including brains. Right. I think the thing, the query that that where I go right now with this is have you ever read the book why zebras never get ulcers I haven't I, I, yeah so Tell it's a, a biologist named Robert Sapolsky who wrote this and he studied why like the sort of the stress hormone or stress effect of zebras who you know like the hunt the chase the lion snags a zebra and then within minutes, those zebras are back down into a parasympathetic, calm, rest and digest state, even though one of their members was just hunted down and killed. And I'm wondering whether a million years ago, humans, where there was real fear and disease and death and such, whether they were, though, always under a level of stress or whether they also were able to downregulate when the threat was not immediately present. No idea. <laughs> but, you know, I bet they were just like us because we're the descendants of them. 
And I think we, you know, have this feeling, we have these feelings because they're kind of in the evolutionary inheritance of what their experiences are. You know, how we experience things is probably how they experienced it, even if what we're experiencing is different. And maybe it isn't that different as a result. I don't know. I certainly have fear of disease and death, if not lions and tigers. But I feel I have these experiences. You know, I can get over email something that's probably like being the feeling <laughs> that was their output for being chased by a bear. And I assume that's because I've inherited it from them, mm. if, if that makes sense. It does. So a million years from now. Ah, not that long. I'm just saying. Again, it's, I'm just going to match it to a million years ago. But it's just nothing on a geologic time scale. Nothing. Yeah. And a billion years ago, a billion years ago, there aren't people. Forget about them. <laughs> yeah. There aren't dinosaurs. There aren't land plants. We're not on land. <laughs> right. But you've got land, you've got mountains, you've got water. You know, you don't have your lake. You don't have the mountains we know. We don't have the landforms we know. You know, Pangea is still about 400 million years away, much less the other continents that form from that. But, you know, look up, I Mm. guess is what I'll say. Is the air outside your window? Is the clouds? Is the sky above it? Pretty similar. Look down at the ground, not the particular forms it's taking at height, but you know, a little bit below, a hundred feet below, say, is that sort of constituent mass pretty similar? And just sort of the atomic swirl of what's in the air, kind of carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, it's has gonna take different forms, different things are gonna connect and evolve but there's actually some consistencies and then get above that sky or below the ground which is of course sky on the other side because <laughs> it's it's a, a marble in space and that may be almost exactly the same right right and now i guess let's come back to right now <laughs> so now it's still thursday right 2020 it's about a half hour later where are you in your head and your perspective what if anything has changed what's your takeaway from that practice my mind is blown a bit from how little i knew (laughs) i think first of all how scale is so much more massive than my traditional framework of being in my body on this planet. And also, I, I have to say, I feel some, somewhat liberated yeah. from all the little mistakes I've made and will make from feeling important in a sense. And also I feel some sense of warmth from the tether of being this little tiny 
thread of fabric in the continuum? I think since I started doing this a lot about before I was born, as much as I do after I die. And I just realized, gosh, I, I've never thought about the question. I've rarely thought about what's going to happen after I die. But I've never thought about what happened before I was born. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was like history. And there's this, you know, it was leading up to me. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to this image of I'm not there for a billion years. Hmm. And then I'm there for 40 years. And then I'll be here for maybe 40 more years. And then I won't be here for a billion years. And that, you know, our daughters, our dear, not even 10-year-old daughters were gone by 100 years from now. Mm. And our grandparents, our parents were gone, you know, mm. by 100 years ago. And our grandparents were barely made it. They were our daughter's age, if that. And a thousand, a thousand, ten thousand, ten thousand, a million, a million, a billion, a billion. Hmm. And yeah, I do have that liberation. I do have that sense of connection. And I also, I noticed that in each of our stops, it seemed pretty busy. <laughs> yeah. You know, the. The car was about to be invented, or you were engaged, or she just graduated, mm. or this amazing technological leap had happened, or we'd moved into the cloud as a species, mm. or we were in a cave being chased by a tiger, or the sea and the sky was, was boiling. And that challenges the sort of sense of staticness that we have about these last few months too, I think. And I have to just assume that kind of electricity and movement and significance. I mean, it's kind of obvious. We'll say 10 years ago, where was I? Oh yeah, that was during probably the craziest time of my life. <laughs> this pandemic. Mm -hmm. Let us be so lucky that this is the craziest time of our life. Yeah, right. And I don't know what to do with that, but it's it's a kind of reflection I, I have from it. I don't know if that's something you share. Well, right. I, that was the question I was going to ask you is that with with that, with this information and and realization, how does that how does it inform inform what you do right now? Does it feel calming? Do you feel that? as you started this about you know doing the wrong thing does it does it do you get a hall pass for mm -hmm. opening up this activity or this practice does it make you want to do less or does it make you want to do more it does bring a sense of peace and i think it really laughs at that i'm way behind <laughs> yeah. or even that I'm doing the wrong thing or and I'm doing it wrong because well, how much can I do <laughs> yeah. in that scale 
And not to say that anything I do is futile. It's just part of this vastly larger movement. And I think that I feel a sense of grace and wonder at getting to perceive that vastly larger scope of things. And I have this hunch that's, well, when we were talking about the space one, the wonder of that is that, you know, if I'm at the universe perspective and I'm a billion, trillion light years away from here, or if I'm looking at the whole globe and everyone in the globe, that is true. Like we know that that is also happening right now. Like whatever's happening a billion light years from the sun is happening right now. <laughs> mm. And whatever is happening in Des Moines, Iowa right now in someone's kitchen is happening right now. And whatever is happening, you know, 10,000 leagues under the sea <laughs> in the Indian Ocean is happening right now. You know, we're, this is all happening at once and the space illumination illuminates that you know as i said my mind usually gets blown just by the point where i get to my wife and my daughter are having thoughts and feelings and doing things in the same house as me right now hmm. you know i get that far out of my head and my mind is kind of sufficiently blown i don't have to go to alpha centauri and i guess i have this hunch that the same thing is true of time that time is just another version of space or they're connected together it's not necessarily my hunch i should say you know i think einstein <laughs> yeah. you know put this together but it's like these times are happening at once. So I also feel this sort of simultaneity. Like, gosh, you know, my grandmother is one and my daughter is gone and our species is in space. And I feel like that's also happening in a version of at once. A couple of things I've been thinking lately that's, that I feel like kind of connect to this. One is that, and this is not a new thought in terms of, you know, intellectuals and, and spiritual leaders and such, but it has resonated with me lately. And that's that the absolute miracle that, that we specifically were born, that the odds of this manifestation with one's, you know, one tiny sperm of millions finding this egg and creating this life form and that life form it became you and you've never existed ever before is like winning the lotto on steroids and i've been thinking lately about people's trauma and isolation and and just how we don't even acknowledge that as a baseline it's like, you know, you're born and then, okay, go, build, be, do. And <laughs> yeah, how you're, crazy is you're not good born? enough. Crazy. It's crazy. And why not more celebration about that? And I think just on a base level, if we could all just, you know, when you're walking down the street or if you're traveling around the planet and you catch eyes with somebody and just be like, oh, you lucky SOB. Yeah, you too. You too. You know, having this having this collective appreciation for our ability to we're the alivers, <laughs> you know, 
so that's been rattling around for me. And then another thing that's been rattling around for me is just the things that have happened to me, experiences in my life. One in particular that I, I just posted on some of my social media was you know, 20 plus years ago when I was you know, teaching at this Tibetan Buddhist monastery and I found an old grainy slide of myself being just yeah, kind of uh, engulfed in, a, in 50 novice monks. And then there's me in a black t-shirt in the middle. And I looked at the picture and it became alive. It wasn't a memory or nostalgia. It was living in me and it activated and it, it, it changed the, it, it kind of rattled around my worldview similar to maybe why you do this practice to some degree where even though this was in my life and even though it was 20 some years ago, I was, I was a different human. I was a different being. The planet was a different planet. And I also often think about that. That's that place is still there and it's things are happening there right now that feels good. It feels good to, it feels, like I said, I use the word active and activated. And it, it's, I think it, it cracks me open from getting calcified into the story of who I am right now, which is also kind of counter to the other tool that I find to be a kind of a superpower. And that is just being completely immersed in the present moment where my mind and my body are doing the same thing. So I'll, I like both as kind of a remedy to the unknown, some of the trauma, some of the, the cage tiger feeling of this particular moment, projecting out, not quite out as far as you have demonstrated in this activity, but also looking back at earlier stages, not in a nostalgic way, but in a, an energetic way that kind of activates. And somehow I think that's helped me to manage and not get too caught up in whatever uncomfort, uncomfort, discomfort or agitation that I feel about being in my mom's basement. <clears throat> what you made me think were a few things. One, you know, I talked about all these times being simultaneous and that's not true, <laughs> but they're all happening at once in the sense they all were slash are real. Like whatever happened a year ago happened. It was real, as real as this moment. And whatever was happening 10,000 years ago happened. It's real. It was as real as this moment. And there will be moments a year from now, 10,000 years from now, 100 years from now, a billion years from now, and they will be real. And so they're all happening at once in the sense of they're all in the big box of things that really happen, not just possible, <laughs> but reality. They all, you know, are part of, you know, the book of everything that will have ever happened. <laughs> mm. 
and that's electrifying to me mm. in some sense or sort of freeing, liberating to me. Mm. And so is this moment. And let us be alive to this moment, just as you said. Mm. What are we here to do? Sometimes I, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, just as a hobby historian, you can notice in many different generations, different time periods where people wanted immortality to be remembered even after they were gone. Do you need to be remembered? And is it important to you what people think of you? Oh, Jeremy, yeah, he was a crotchety old bastard, you know? Or, wow, Jeremy, he solved COVID-19 and he'll forever be immortalized. Or, yeah, he was a good guy. You know, I, I, th I think personally, I'm starting to kind of circle option C where I, I just I want to be remembered as, yeah, I remember him. He was a good guy. Mm. I think being remembered <laughs> is something I'm skeptical on these larger timescales, right? Mm. Like I know my relatives from 100 years ago, but even if I went 200 years ago, I don't, much less a thousand, much less a million. Mm. And an exercise I do sometimes that's much shorter than this whole time exercise or space exercise is there's this mantra that's part of the Heart Sutra that is, I think, in Sanskrit, <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> gate, gate, paragate, parasam gate, bodhiswaha. And it means gone, gone, gone beyond, gone utterly beyond. <laughs> what awakening. And mm. when I say that, I think of gone. I think of this world right here, right now-ish. And I'm not in it. It's the exact same world, but I just picked me out of it. And it's just going on. And then on the second gone, I think of this world, here and now-ish, and there's no people. Everyone I know, everyone I don't know, we're not there, but everything else is still there, maybe, or maybe there's not even life. Maybe it's just the planet. Gone beyond everything <laughs> hmm. is gone. Earth, the sun stars there's just space gone utterly beyond i try to pull the zipper on that <laughs> <laughs> and think back to 10 billion years ago or 11 billion years ago or whenever they say big bang and what's you know before nothing and that's just a four-stepper gone mm. gone gone beyond gone utterly beyond and I guess that's my answer to <laughs> hmm. how I want to be remembered. <laughs> he was utterly beyond. Utterly beyond. <laughs> Take us home. What are we going to do now with all this? Well, I'm always looking. I want, I want something productive out of running this experiment. And I think for me, it's to get beyond 
utterly beyond myself, my ego. It's the what awakening part. Right. It's the perspective. It's not, you're not different. What you do might not be different, but the perspective you have is different. You see this bigger scope. And I think the distillation, what's left in the pot is this energetic, this energy of love. And so for me, it's going to be when we wrap to go up and play with my daughter, do the the little things. And it's something I've been saying a lot during this pandemic with people I work with. When things feel big, go small. My takeaway I'm realizing is sympathy. You know, I started with, I'm doing the wrong thing. I'm doing it wrong and I'm way behind. And now with this perspective, it's that I'm doing my best. And so is everyone else. And let me be sympathetic and loving. And that will lead to, you know, even better best than panic, judgment, self-judgment. I like that. Listeners, thank you for listening with us. Thank you for spending your time with us. I don't know if we've been memorable enough for you to say a year from now. I know exactly what I was doing a year ago, but maybe we have. (laughs) (laughs) And NASA, feel free to send us into space so aliens can hear this broadcast a billion years from now when we've all been uploaded to the cloud and we're back to roasting marshmallows over fires and caves. (laughs) Anything you'd add to that, Damon? I would add that maybe I would reframe sympathy as self-compassion and that it feeling the tenderness towards yourself the way you do towards your daughter can be a really powerful way to use whatever fleeting moments we have in, in harmony with this moment. Thanks for sharing your time with me. Thanks for sharing your time with me. Stimulus and Response is hosted by Damon Valentino and Jeremy M. Smith and produced by Matt Mullins at Black Rooster Productions. Please rate, review, and share the show. And please join us next time for another stimulating exploration of the best parts and best ways of being human and being alive.